Welcome to the Newbury Nude Podcast, where we strip down to the bottom of all things exceptional. Listen up. Do you want the skills to succeed in entrepreneurship whilst discovering how to look and feel your very best? Exclusive interviews with leaders and gurus, marketing advice, business and social media, wellness conversations, health tips, beauty, and more. It's all here on the Newbury Nude Podcast. Here are your hosts, Britt and Gretchen of women's lifestyle brand, Newbury. Welcome to the Newbury Nude Podcast. In today's episode, we sit down with Dr. Birchall, the medical director of Dermacare, and I'll tell you all about him in a minute. But first, I want to say why today's episode is very insightful and should be very interesting to everyone. We talked to Dr. Birchall about what we look like and how we can look more like we're, like we're used to looking like. So, for example, one thing that I thought was very interesting is when Dr. Birchall said that the face communicates emotion that may not be there. So what that means is if you've ever noticed that you look tired, and you look tired because you have under-eye hollows, or you have these frown lines between the middle of your eyebrows, which makes you look angry, but you're not actually angry... Some people may notice that they have sagging around their mouth or like maybe a bit of heaviness, which makes them look sad, but they're not sad. Well, guys, just so you know, you don't have to live looking in the mirror and seeing somebody that you don't recognize or that you don't understand. There are small things that you can do with the help of someone like Dr. Birchall that can make you look like the way you're used to looking. Okay, so let me fast track you. In this episode, we talk a lot about lasers and the the different lasers that are available on the market. It can be super overwhelming, very confusing. If you've done research on um, how to get rid of your brown marks or your pigmentation or how to build collagen, how to get rid of redness, there's so many different types of lasers and procedures that pop up. It's like, what do you get? How do you know what to do? So... um, We talk a lot about where to begin, so it all obviously starts with a consultation with a doctor and talking to them about what your concerns are. And then um, we go into detail about explaining which lasers are for who. But a lot of these questions will be answered when you go into a doctor's office and you go to a provider that um, is an expert at the lasers that they use, so they will know your skin best. But I hope that in today's episode, we can answer a lot of questions about what lasers do what. So we talk about lasers, we talk about skincare. So a lot of this is prevention. You need to have a really great sunblock. So we talk about the sunblock, we talk about cleansing your skin, um, we talk about hormonal breakouts and how to prevent that or how to at least um, mitigate it. And at the end of this episode, we discuss lip injections and why the Kylie Jenner lip is not the only lip available out there. One last thing. In this episode, we discuss the PicoSure laser, which is a laser that addresses fine lines, brown marks, pigmentation, and restores collagen. It's an incredible laser. There's no downtime, really no pain at all. And it's a laser that I've gotten three times for um, the little brown marks that I have had um, from just being a young kid and going out in the sun when I was younger and not wearing sunblock, playing tennis all the time, swimming, 
during the summer. And I'm sure some of you can relate that you have these little brown marks on your face that um, aren't the most pleasant looking things. So I got PicoSure laser and um, I got three sessions, four to six weeks apart, and it addressed my pigmentation and it's restoring collagen, which, so it's building new collagen in my face, which is incredible. Like who doesn't want more collagen? So for our podcast listeners, Dermacare is offering PicoSure laser. It's typically $600 a session. If you mention Newbury and you get PicoSure laser, you'll be able to get it for $485 a session when you purchase three. So it's recommended that you purchase three. That's going to be the best results. Typically you wouldn't just get one. Um, so it's, it's normally $600 a session, but if you purchase three, when you mention Newbury, you'll just pay $485. Okay. Now you ready for the freebie. We're giving away $2,000 in cool sculpting services to Dermacare on Instagram. So we're doing a cool sculpt $2,000 cool sculpting giveaway on Instagram right now. Go to our account at Newbury N U B R Y and enter to win the $2,000 cool sculpting giveaway because we're going to choose one winner in the next few days to win the service. Okay. So all you have to do is go to Instagram. You have to follow Newbury on Instagram. You have to follow at Dermacare San Diego on Instagram. And then you have to tag a friend and you want to know how you can get a bonus entry. Leave a comment when you tag your friend and tell us your favorite part about this episode. What was the best tip that you learned? Back to the show, the new renewed podcast. Dr. Birchall is a board certified physician with more than 25 years of medical experience. He has more than a decade working with cosmetic treatments. Dr. Birchall has achieved black diamond status for administering Botox and Juvederm injections. He's also received black diamond status for Fraxel laser skin rejuvenation. He's a top 25 color science partner, and he's a premier partner for cool sculpting. Dr. Birchall was recognized among the top 1% of more than 30,000 providers in the country. Safe to say, Dr. Birchall is quite an expert when it comes to laser and injectables. Back to the show, the new renewed podcast. Can you please introduce yourself and let everyone know a little bit about who you are and what you do? Hi. Well, thank you for having me. I'm uh, Dr. Jeff Virchel, and I'm the medical director at Dermacare in uh, Rancho Bernardo in Carlsbad. And I've been doing the cosmetic um, medicine for 12 years now. And um, all aspects of it, the lasers, injectables, skin care, aesthetic work, and we do a little bit of body shaping too. Probably the most common procedure that we do in, in, in terms of volume would be the injectable categories, both the Botox and the variety of fillers that are available. Okay, well, let's get started with that, injectables. In fact, we were just reading that report on injectables. The amount of injectables for people in their 30s and even under 30 has just gone up dramatically. Yes. Well, so today, so, the American Academy of Facial Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery actually came out today saying that, quote, selfie awareness, unquote, 
is more than a fad. Have you heard, have you heard of this <laughs> selfie awareness thing where people come in and they're like, I want to look better in my selfie? Well, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's pictures in general, whether it's selfies or family pictures or holiday events. I mean, we are just recording our lives so much and we're evaluating what we look like in those pictures and certainly selfies is part of that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, no question. It is uh, benefited our business that awareness yeah well people are just so much more aware of what they look like today and right. they're they're able to like see from every different angle what they look like and they're just analyzing it right they capture one moment in time and they start uh, picking it apart unfortunately I mm-hmm. mean sometimes I think people are too critical of themselves mm-hmm. but with that technologies have changed a lot so there's a lot of things we can do that again, 5, 10, 15 years ago, just weren't even available. So not only the selfie and all the recording that we're doing making a difference, we have a lot of things that are minimally invasive that we can do that are simple and effective. Which is really huge. The minimally invasive and, like, the no downtime thing, I think that makes such a big difference. Right. So do people come in and they're like, I want injectables? Like, where do I start? Or do they, or do they, or do they just like, come in and they say, where do I start? Well, like, what do I do? Do I first? You know, there's there's a lot of, a lot of variety from that perspective. I mean, some people have a specific thing. I discovered, I was looking at a picture and I hate this line. Can you fix this? Or I hate this line. I've been doing some, my, my own research online. I think Botox is the answer for it. So they come in for Botox and other it's, I've been researching this stuff and it's so overwhelming. What do I need? So there, there's a lot of different questions that get people to come in and make that first consultation Mm -hmm. so for our audience if you are giving them some sort of advice and maybe they look in the mirror now and they're not they're not old but they're they're looking at themselves and they're like I don't look like I looked when I was 19 or 20 right but they don't know what they want they don't know that they need anything or if they can get anything should do you recommend that they come in and sort of just get like the all over consultation and then and then you tell them this is what I recommend or should they come in with an idea of something that they need I think what I find most helpful is people come in knowing kind of what their concerns are. I mean, we're going to start there at a concern. I, you know, this is just, I've noticed a change here and I'm, that's bothering me or I'm curious, is there anything I can do about it? I think that's a good stepping off point. Um, you know, a little research on your own part coming in to understand what some of the options are, but you also don't want to get too strong a preconceived idea because it's hard to know everything. And so, you know, I think consultation should be a collaborative experience. And so you you bring your face and your experience and the things that are concerned, and I'll add, you know, my experience and knowledge, and we'll 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 work it out together and come to a conclusion that's going to be right for you. Yeah. Is how I would do that. So, you know, a little. Uh, being pre um, pre armed with some knowledge about what's available is good, but don't feel like you have you don't have to be an expert. Just you're an expert about you. I'm an expert about my stuff, and if we work together, we're going to get to the place that you want to go. I found that, for instance, when I have gone for a consultation, um, I get different recommendations. Sure. And so, for instance, um, you know, one doctor will say I need radius yeah. or uh, restylane lift That's radius. or Voluma. And it's like they all target the same issue, but how do you know, you know, when different people are telling you different things, um, you know, how do you really know what to go with? And, and is that, you know, is it a combination of doing those or do you want to like switch from one to the other and not continue on one product? Right. I mean, so you're talking there specifically about fillers and the, mm-hmm. and the filler world has gotten, it's just exploded in the last couple of years. On my shelf, I have 14 different fillers. And if I include fat transfer, there's 15 different things that we can use. Um, and so it can get really, really confusing rapidly. Um, 
And ultimately what happens is us as providers start to get our favorites, ones that we work with and get good results. Some of those are just, we're simplifying our life. There's three good choices, but you end up picking one so you get to know it really well. And they're all kind of equivalent decisions. Um, so that's part of it. You have your kind of experience, again, that you bring to the table where you've tried this, tried that, and, and there are nuances between all this. So and that's, again, where the collaborative process comes through. And there's probably more than one right answer. So I think sometimes we struggle. I want the best. Well, there's multiple very good answers, and I think they're all going to get you there um, if you have a, a good relationship as you're working forward. So say, say we start out and, you know, I'm someone that has not really been on a consistent plan with fillers, injectables, mm-hmm. um, uh, skin treatments. Right. So if we're starting out, do you first want to target brown pigmentation, skin quality, or injectables? Like where do you kind of start and do you kind of come up with a long-term plan or is it like focused on this visit? So at least I know like the trajectory of what I'm in for. Right. I mean, there's, again, there's so much variety in terms of what a person is experiencing. I mean, genetics plays a huge role in that. And so some people have amazingly clear complexion, but they've lost volume. They have, I simplify things. There's four things I kind of look at on a face. And we have a form that we've, when I'm teaching my staff to train, that breaks thing into 10 things that we look at um, and in each of those there's some subcategories and we can kind of do that detailed kind of analysis and come out and we rate them based on what the most important things are so um, we can go that comprehensive approach but the basic thing I look at is the complexion do you have color changes on the skin do you have brown spots red spots or is it even and then um, I evaluate uh, wrinkles and I break it into three causes of wrinkles Uh, you have motion lines which would be your classic Botox. The Botox stops the muscle motion. As you get older, you lose fat underneath the skin and your, your osteoporosis affects the bones. So the, the support structures underneath the skin are getting smaller. So a grape versus a raisin, you get some wrinkling from that. So we've got to address the volume underneath the skin. And then the skin itself is, is losing some of its structural proteins, collagen primarily, but elastin is, um, are the two key ones. And as you start losing that, you start getting a crepiness, fine lines and pores start getting more noticeable. And the other two causes of lines get worse because of the collagen loss. So I kind of think of those four things. Some people also add um, a descent or the the face is falling down and the effects of gravity onto there. I think that's mostly related to volume, so I keep it in that category, but those would be the five generally that anyone in cosmetics is looking at in the face. So I started thinking of five things. now. So complexion, wrinkles, and then... Descent or or sagging of the skin. Sagging of skin. Yeah. And in the wrinkles, you got motion lines, Uh volume loss lines, and collagen loss lines. Okay, so those are all separate things. Yeah, but they okay. make up the wrinkles. So there's, if we forget the descent for a second, because I think gravity is more determines the, when you, when you lose fat in the face, the, the skin stays the same size, and it's going to be loose, and so it's going to fall. And gravity determines the direction of the fall, but the problem is volume loss. Gravity just is, if you stood on your head, the wrinkles would be going the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so I, those four things... Are kind of only four things happening, which is okay. a simplifying principle for me. And I think when I'm educating right. people that come into my office, oh, I only got four things I need to think about. Right. Color, motion lines, volume loss lines, and collagen loss right. lines. Right. Okay. Now, in each of those, there's different treatment options. Um, but you can pretty much set your priorities based on what is the 
biggest problems. So okay. if I have a 60-year-old runner who is barely at her um, healthy weight, she's going to have a lot of volume loss in that face. Mm-hmm. Right? Someone 30 pounds overweight, that extra weight makes your face look better, so volume loss isn't going to be the biggest issue. Someone who's Hispanic and has a strong genetics to melasma is going to have some brown spots that are their dominant issue, and they may have nice fullness in their face. So every face is unique, but it's usually one of those four that dominate. We just prioritize those four, and then we look at the treatment options and, and go over each of those to get come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. I feel like fillers have been really trendy lately, and I've seen them all over my Instagram. Everyone's yep. getting fillers in their cheeks, and they're getting lip plumping. Um is this something that you think that, and I and I think I've I also heard recently that women under thirty are getting this procedure more than ever. Yeah, fillers and, and injections. Um, when do you think someone should start thinking about getting injectables and yeah, yeah. Like this? The, the timing when to start when there's a big enough problem to justify it. So I'm not a huge fan of getting way ahead of the curve, especially when it comes to fillers. Mm-hmm. Fillers in particular, you should do fillers when you need it. And so if you happen to be 55 and still have nice shape and fullness and volume in your face, don't start fillers. Mm-hmm. Um, if you start getting a lot of hollowing underneath the eyes and you're looking really tired and you're only 25, then it's okay to do the fillers. So fillers... So preventing with fillers, you're not necessarily... No, into. I think... Well, it, the problem with that is fillers are always going to fill. So if you look good right now and I put something to prevent you from looking bad to a year from now, yeah. you're going to look overstuffed. Mm-hmm. So fillers should always be in response to what you got is my feeling on that one. Something like Botox, which is muscle contraction lines, we know that ongoing muscle work will eventually lead to deeper lines. Mm-hmm. So there is some argument for prevention is in terms of the motion lines, so between the eyes, the mm-hmm. forehead, the crow's feet, up to a point. But even those are reversible. So as long as you catch it when they first start, mm-hmm. you're going to reverse it 100%. So why spend the money if you don't need to until it's to a point where you're just starting to see it? So that's how I'd handle that. Um, the collagen loss, definitely prevention helps there. But the key for prevention is protecting the skin. Sunscreens, antioxidants, um, maybe Let, a let's, little bit. Let's of, talk about prevention because I think that's huge. Like, yeah. yeah, we can talk about everything that we can address, do to address these issues. But... If, if, if we're in our 20s and our 30s and we, we don't have any issues, like how can we prevent yeah. the, the sunscreen, skin being a problem? Sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. And like is there a specific type of sunscreen? Because I know there's like some that are bad for you. What, what are we looking for in our sunscreen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and there's, there's a l- I always like to try and make things as simple as possible. So do right? I. So, so <laughs> sunscreen, good. yes. And I want it to be... The FDA has put some pretty strong regulations about what you can say. So anything over 15 is probably good enough. Okay. Okay. So like my I, like Color Science has a powder with 20 SPF. Yes. If I use just that, yes. am I good? Yes. Okay. Right. The, it's more important to use it regularly than the SPF that you're using. You mean all day long? Yes. Okay. Every three hours, if you're applying your sunscreen mm-hmm. at 15, it's way better than sporadically doing 50. Hmm. Okay. The marginal increase to going to 15 to 30 and then from 30 to 50, yes, there is some improvement in the protection, um, but regular is way more important. Um, and then the zinc oxide as well? So you got different types of sun, your UV, A and B, so you want something that's broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so my simplifying principle, regular use of sunscreen is more important than what sunscreen you're using. Okay. But let's make a choice on what sunscreen, multi, um, I want broad spectrum. I'm a big fan of zinc and titanium, the, the barrier sunscreens. Um, so you mentioned color science. I like the Sun Forgettable. 
because mm-hmm. it's zinc and titanium oxide. It goes over top of your makeup, so it's really easy. That's the to brush. The yeah. brush. The That's amazing. Oh. You like you stick it in your purse, and it's like a little makeup brush, and it just gives you a little coverage, and it's light, right? Right. And it gives you the right the protection. I mean, as well. most ladies that come to my office are concerned about their skin, so they're really good about you know washing their face, doing their skincare, throwing on their sunscreen, putting on their makeup, and living their day. But they're not going to stop in the middle of the day, take off the makeup, reapply the sunscreen, right. and then reapply the makeup, right? Yeah, so the Sun Forgettable allows you to put the br- use the brush, put it on at every three hours, and keep your skin protected throughout the day. So it just wins for convenience. Plus, it's a barrier sunscreen, and the idea there is as the sunlight comes down, it hits the zinc and titanium and reflects back. Hmm. The chemical sunscreens are inside the cell. The sunlight goes through into the cell and absorbs the energy inside the cell. But as it's passing through the cell, you kind of have to imagine that something's happening before it gets absorbed. So I think you're just safer to keep it outside of the cell. Mm -hmm. And that's what the zinc and titanium does. So that would be my recommendations. But the chemical sunscreen that you use every two or three hours is still way better than not using sunscreen. Mm -hmm. Okay. I didn't realize that sunscreen is actually for preventing collagen loss. Yes. Okay, so tell me about the antioxidants then. Is that in the products or is that something that we're eating? Uh, In the products. Okay. I haven't seen any really good evidence that eating antioxidants, consuming it, makes a huge difference to anything. Okay, Hmm. so products with antioxidants. Right. You know, my background is family practice, so the same idea was, well, if you do that, will it help protect against heart disease, will protect against cancer, and and thinking that the free radicals, which are um, chemicals that do damage Mm -hmm. to to your cells and, and other chemicals in the body, if you can sop those up, you decrease damage and mm-hmm. protect your insides. Not great evidence that that actually works. I mean, it's in theory, yes, it should work, but we're not seeing that in practice. Anti Topical antioxidants help. And so what happens on the skin is that sunlight comes down and hits the skin. Um, you create free radicals that then go ahead and damage the oxygen. So if you can sop up those free radicals, you're going to have des- less damage to the um collagen. So what products do you recommend for that? So there's a variety of different antioxidants that are available out there and so um, we like anything that have um, green teas, vitamin E's, vitamin C's, those help sop those up, the free radicals. So they're all antioxidants. Okay. Zervatrol would be a famous kind of name brand. So a lot of things that use... Yeah. Anything that have a lot of... uh, um, fruit products that get mm-hmm. they have a lot of antioxidants in them naturally and so those are the type of products that tend to have antioxidant functions with them okay so it's great to hear that the only thing that we can do to prevent aging is by literally just using a good sunscreen frequently and antioxidants as well yes Otherwise, we can just respond to what's currently happening. Yes. That's like such a relief, I feel like. Well, wait, so you were, you were <laughs> saying so that, about that you with diet, you don't necessarily like see that um, playing a role in, in the quality of your skin? I mean, there's a general principle. The healthier you eat, the better your body's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so that is true. So I want eating lots of fruits and vegetables gives your body the micronutrients and the things you need, you, your body needs to be healthy. So I think that's a general principle and that, yes, that does help the skin. Mm-hmm. But to show that eating a particular vegetable on a regular basis is going to lead to a specific change in a person's skin, mm-hmm. there's a lot of assumptions that go into that. So good general health with lots of fruits and vegetables, yes. Yeah. But I feel like, too, there's like certain foods that you shouldn't eat that will because that will negatively affect your skin. Like, I feel like when I eat dairy and desserts and stuff like that, like, I instantly 
notice that like my skin is puffier and has potentially acne and swelling and like I notice it instantly yeah on an individual basis if you find that a particular food is having a negative impact listen to that mm-hmm. um, but in the acne world they've worked really hard to find foods that specifically cause acne and we're having a hard time coming up with that okay. I mean even if it's a high sugar diet your body regulates your insulin levels so the amount of sugar in the blood and the amount of sugar that can diffuse into the skin is very tightly controlled mm-hmm. and so yeah, I'm not a fan of eating too much sugar and too many calories, yeah. but we can't really show conclusively that this particular food leads to this. If if we do have a problem with acne, and for me, like I don't have an acne problem, but like I notice that I'll have hormonal breakouts at yeah. times, and like when I go to the facialist, she'll be like, "Oh, there's nothing I can do about this because it's hormonal." What um, what can I do about that situation? Is that something that you can help me with in terms of acne yeah. laser or product? Yeah, so we know that progestin, which is the hormone in the second half of your cycle, is causes acne or can lead to increased acne development. So premenstrually, it's not unusual to see breakouts with that, and we know it's the progestin in your natural cycle. Um, and there is there nothing we can do. About it? We can't actually get rid of the problem, so you're always going to battle it. But there's things we can do to help you control it, and it's a combination of good skincare, um, which is going to include things like retinols. It's going to um, keep the the moisture in your skin at the appropriate level, right? Too dry leads to acne, too moist can clog pores. Mm -hmm. So getting that right, picking products that don't make your skin react more. And so you're going to find those. And some of that's unfortunately a bit of trial and error, okay? Um, We know that salicylic acid helps with acne, so we like to do that. Glycolic can help in terms of things that we can do to make a difference. And we can get people going on those. And then there's prescription medications, antibiotics that still can help with that. Mm-hmm. And then we have lasers and light-based treatments that can help with that as well. Um, and that can be simple things, and it can be very aggressive, like levulonic acid and photodynamic therapy can make a nice difference for acne and in a very safe way. So we have a whole gamut of options that are available for that. Can we talk about glycolic really quick? Yes. Because this is something that I like heard about maybe like right before I got pregnant, and I'm still breastfeeding. Um, so I haven't been able to use glycolic, okay. right? Because you yeah. can't use it when you're breastfeeding, but I've heard it can, like, do wonders for someone. Yes. Like in your face wash and... I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a big glycolic acid fan because it does several things that are going on. So it, it's, it's a moisturizer. It helps you exfoliate. It's involved in the collagen production phase of it. So it has several characteristics that make it a really good skincare product. There's lots of science behind why that works. So mm-hmm. I'm a big glycolic acid fan. Since you get to pregnancy, it, it gets tough at this point in time because nothing is ever going to be proven to be safe during pregnancy because nobody no signs up for that test. <laughs> right? Like colic acid is a fairly naturally occurring substance that's in our bodies already. Um, but since we can't say it's safe, it's better to be safe than sorry. Okay. So when we are pregnant and or breastfeeding, what types of, like, because I did battle in my pregnancy in the beginning part, like, a lot of little breakouts that I've yeah. never seen in my life before. Yeah. And even now while I'm nursing, like I, I, I notice breakouts. What type of products should I be on that are safe? I would just probably encourage uh, real good face washing and cleanliness and appropriate moisturizing um, and, and keep that at its level. And hormones are changing throughout the whole time in pregnancy, and it can be chasing your tail a little bit. So, uh, again, keep it simple. It's a temporary spot in life is where I'd put that and, and 
know that it's going to pass, and then we can move on and take care of it. Yeah. When you say good face washing, what what is what is good face I washing? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like, is there, like, a strategy here? No, there's nothing really magical here, right? Uh, <laughs> a cleanser that gets your makeup off, uh-huh. keeps the pores open, mm-hmm. not irritating and not too drying um, is where we're going on there. Again, okay. common sense approach to this. Yeah, You're just keeping it clean. So with our four issues, um, can we talk about what the response is for each of these it, with our bag of tools of... Yes. Fillers, um, injectables, lasers, uh, skin treatments. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if that covers all of them. Yeah. But say, like, for instance, let's start with complexion. What is um, a typical response for brown spots, um, yeah. you know, poor skin, skin quality, acne, scars, that sort of thing? So in each of those four areas, um, we always look at what are the skincare topicals we can use, what are the aesthetic services we can use, and then what are the more invasive lasers or injectables that we can use for that. So for, for complexion, um, brown and red spots are the most common things that we see there. For browns in particular, especially with medium skin tones, um, there are things that can block pigment production. Hydroquinone would be the classic, the one we've had around the longest, but our butin is out there and there's a few other um, botanicals that we can use with that. So uh, we like to get on melanocyte suppressants. And the ones we use in our office would be hydroquinone. We like Lightera from Skin Medica and uh, Color Science. We also use their Even Up product on those. And there's things that stop pigment production. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the next layer we'd want to do that is something like uh, microdermabrasion, so which is going to exfoliate the top layers of the skin. And there's multiple layers or layers of cells on the skin, and each one has a little bit of pigment. And I always think of when I was a kid, if I was coloring with my crayons, you know, the, the more times you go over the area, the dark harder you push, the more pigment that's there, and the darker the green of the leaves. Well, your brown's the same way. The more layers of skin that have pigment in, the darker it is. So if I can get rid of a couple layers of skin with good exfoliation, mm-hmm. I'm going to lighten things up slightly. I can use peels. I'll go down a little bit deeper and use the same strategy. And then we can go to our lasers, and there's a variety, IPL, Fraxel, um, our PicoSure laser, um, even CO2 lasers. And there's a whole variety that will reduce the pigment with the lasers. So in that order, we would do we would start with the topicals, uh, move into a microdermabrasion exfoliation, yeah. and then from there figure out which laser we're going to go to. Right. Okay. And some of that when we're looking at skin, you're going to say, well, I have just real mild, minor kind of pigment issues, but we're there. Often topicals and microderms are going to do it. The more intense the brown spottiness goes, the more aggressive I'm going to have to be. And so we might... Almost everybody goes on a suppressant with hydroquinone, um, no matter what. And then it's, do we get to the lasers quickly or, or slowly? Mm-hmm. And then the other side of it, some people's pigment is very reactive pigment. And so we know that there is some risk with a laser of actually paradoxically making it worse. Mm-hmm. So on someone that has what I call twitchy skin, where I'm just... And, and I think of someone that comes from a, a, an Indian, Eastern Indian... Uh, skin that really dark dark skin and boy sometimes they sneeze and I think they get a brown spot that person I want to I want to try the conservative stuff first I want to stick with my microderm and the pigment suppressants just see if I can start winning there because I know that sometimes the laser actually makes it worse and I want to avoid that so can we get improvement without going there well we have heard a lot of um a lot of people say that even people that have not are are not of indian descent but caucasian light fair-skinned people once they go to doing laser their skin's so much more sensitive so even if they're doing using sunscreen and being super protective they are actually getting more they're more responding to the sun getting more brown spots after yeah there's a a balancing act to that 
you, you build up a baseline pigment in your skin, and so as you clean up the baseline pigment on the skin, it, it exposes the melanocytes to the effect of the sun a little bit more. So I would not say that's a, tr uh, a rule, though, right? There are people that become much more aware. The other part is you clean up your skin and your skin looks better and better. You become very aware of the spot you have left, mm -hmm. right? So if you have 100 spots, 101 doesn't make that difference. If I got 10 spots left, number 11 is really obvious. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of just understanding, is it really worse or just it's so much better that I can see more detail than I used to see. Okay, so maybe they're just hyper-focused on it. You become or very maybe aware. they're not protecting their skin after they get the brown marks gone and then they notice the brown marks show right. up and then it's obvious. Yeah, and then the other part, you get things cleaned up really, really nicely and they just one afternoon, it's Saturday at the beach and they forget their sunscreen, that one afternoon yeah. is going to be really obvious what that does to you. You kind of have to start all over again. Did they get worse than when they started at the very beginning? No, but they're they're worse than what their new best is. Okay. So, so considering... Sorry, you want to go ahead? Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, um, going through those three lasers, for instance, yeah. the Fraxel, the microneedling, yeah. and the Pico shirt, yeah. can you describe the difference of how it how deep it goes in the skin, the heat versus and right. the downtime, yeah. the invasiveness? And then one thing just to point out, there's certain skin types I would never use a laser on. So that Indian person we're talking about, I'm, I'm not going to use a laser. Most Rarely will I use a laser on them. Never say never, right? Um, rarely do it because they're at much higher risk of having the, the pigment complication than um, a medium skin tone where we can often get away with it. Okay, So IPL, the laser energy is more superficial into the upper epidermis, changes the pigment, and then the body pushes the pigment up to the surface. Most of the other pigment lasers, which would be Fraxels and Pico lasers and CO2s and Erbiums and, and um, Pearls, there's a bunch of them that can do it, they go down and put little microscopic holes in the skin that induce a healing response, but any pigment that happens to be in that um, area uh, will also be destroyed in that process. And so that's what lightens up the skin. The picosecond lasers also have the advantage of causing a vibration, which damages the pigment. Uh, whether that's tattoo, and that's where we first started using it, or a pigment that your body made. And as that pigment gets um, uh, rattled, shaken by the laser vibration, um, it damages it. Your immune system will then recognize it as abnormal and go ahead and clean it up over the next six to eight weeks. So those are the three different mechanisms of actions and the types of lasers. For that reason, wouldn't Pico sure be like the ideal laser since not only is it helping with the brown marks and the fine lines, but it's also roughing up the skin to create collagen growth? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. I love that for the exact same reason. And I, there's I, no downtime either, which is exactly. pretty crazy. Right. Yes. And so Fraxel used to be that one for us. Um, Pico's kind of surplace, uh, replacing it from our perspective just because there's less downtime. Mm -hmm. and I think it's a little bit better on browns. Mm -hmm. But yet stimulating collagen to smooth the skin and reducing the browns. So I love it for that reason. CO2 is also very good for that reason. There's just some downtime with it. CO2 is a different wavelength than your IPL, mm -hmm. different wavelength than even your Picos. And it's the way it is absorbed in the skin that determines what it's going to do. And it's one of the most aggressive lasers out there at stimulating collagen. Uh, part of that aggressiveness is more downtime with it. Mm -hmm. Pretty good at browns, but because it's so aggressive with heat, sometimes the pigment complication we're talking about is a little higher in that CO2. So there's a smaller group of people that we can use it on. So you would use CO2 for someone that really wants to focus on collagen only? Yes. Pretty yes. Much. I need light skin. Uh, we, we give skin six points or, you know, the... Um, 
a rating of six in the Fitzpatrick scale. So uh, our types one to three are lighter skins, and we would use it on that. The odd four, and we would never use it on a five or six. Your Pico, you in theory can use it all the way up to six, though five and six, you have a lot of counseling, a lot of preparation, and a lot of understanding before you go ahead and do that. Um, But for four and less, fine to do all the time. IPLs, types one, two, and three. Yeah. How so? IPL focuses on brown marks. Brown marks, not only. necessarily collagen. Correct. Though. Right. So, okay, but then the CO two is just collagen. So I guess those are two different layers. Well, of collagen and brown. Okay. Um, if I'm looking at it, if someone just has brown problems, so I have a 30 year old person that comes in whose collagen's still pretty good, the skin's tight, the pores aren't that big a deal, and they just want to get rid of the browns, then absolutely, I think IPL is the ex- excellent choice for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. From a cost perspective, it's not one of the more expensive lasers, so it's also achievable for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has its place, but I know I'm not getting much collagen stimulation with that. If I go ahead and I have a 65-year-old lady who's coming in who now has had collagen loss for many, many years and has a lot more collagen issues, mm-hmm. the IPL just isn't going to address the collagen. Got it. Um, but if she says to me, hey, I don't care about my pores and my fine lines and my loose skin. I just hate my brown spots, and she's a type 3, then I will use it there. But usually at 65, collagen's a major issue, so I move into my Pico, my Fraxel, my CO2. The 65-year-old has a lot of collagen issues, generally speaking, so secretly I want to do the CO2 mm-hmm. on them most of the time. Um, but they need to be able to handle the downtime, and not everybody's lifestyle allows them to handle a week of downtime that goes with the CO2 laser. So if someone has, if they're noticing their pores being enlarged, is that collagen that they need yes. to help that? Correct. That's really all that right. you can do. So you have your pore draining your oil gland, mm-hmm. right? And as the, think of the skin as creating a collar around the opening of that pore. As the collagen goes away, the collar gets smaller, um, gets less, and so you have more space to drain it, and you're going to see that pore a little bit more. So you thicken up the collar, the size of the pore goes away, but it's never going to be gone because you need it to drain the oil from the oil gland. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a collagen loss issue. And then genetics is the other part to mm-hmm. it. So some people genetically have larger pores than others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we're looking at, I think you mentioned that the only thing that we really are wanting to prevent is collagen loss uh-huh. on the spectrum or the main yes. priority. Yes. Um, and so if we're, if we're preventing collagen loss, then yeah. we're looking at the lasers. Is that... Well, glazers don't prevent yeah. collagen loss. They restore collagen. Restore, restore collagen. Okay. Yeah, so they're going to be restoring your collagen. And then and you can the, never have enough. <laughs> exactly, so, yes. So that's not, that's not like the filler so really issue that's like if, if pumping you up. Once you're 30, for me, uh, I'll just use myself as an example. Yeah. I, ha- I had my child at 30, yeah. and I noticed, well, I, I lost 40-plus pounds after having the baby, and I noticed... Um, like my face getting very thin yes. and like almost hollow. Like yeah. I looked or gaunt. skinny. Yeah, yeah gaunt. Um, so for someone that's had a child and loses a massive amount of weight because right. you have to get rid of all that weight, um, what do you recommend for them? Is it is it the laser for collagen? Is it inject inject injectables? What's the first step? Because um, I feel like a lot of women are are noticing that their face looks different after having a baby. Right. Um, let's, I want to go back to finish up with the collagen story oh, yeah. and then we'll go to that. Cause so weight loss is volume. Mm-hmm. So that's addressing the volume underneath the skin where collagen, you can never have too much collagen. You tend to be net building collagen up to age 30. So your skin on average is getting thicker and smoother and tighter up to about age 30. Then after age 30, you lose about 1% per year. Mm-hmm. 
factor over top? Are they smokers so they lose collagen more? Do they have really bad um, sun protection so there's a lot of sun exposure that that thing's going to accelerate faster? And you're on this downward slope for the rest of your life. Uh, things that slow down the loss, antioxidants, um, topicals that stimulate collagen. So we have our core four and we've added one, but um, retinol, glycolic acid, vitamin C, peptides, and growth factors. We like TNS. Those things, we know there's great science that build that up. So get going on that routine. Mm-hmm. Certainly at age 30, you want to start doing that. So antioxidants and sunscreen up to 30. After 30, you want to add those topicals to, and then add the lasers to help restore it depending on what stage you're at. And so it's not the IPL laser for the collagen. So which ones would be more collagen stimulating? Right. CO2. So yeah, anything that heats... CO2. And there's, there's a whole spectrum, and there are probably 100-plus different lasers that stimulate collagen. And we use different terms, skin rejuvenation, skin restoration, resurfacing. All of these are collagen-stimulating lasers. On the gentle end of the spectrum, things that just add heat, um, like a Thermage, um, Titan. Um, uh, we have a Genesis. They just add heat. And when the collagen stimulation, what you're trying to do is to trick the body into basically healing itself. And the analogy I use there is your weight lifter. You're working, you're lifting the weights, you're lifting the weights. This, the, the muscle gets damaged slightly, and there's a recovery period. The body rebuilds that stressed out muscle. So the idea with the muscle is stress the muscle without injuring, and those factors, signals, the muscle releases when it gets damaged, releases a signal, a chemical signal that says, heal me. Right? So if our lasers release those signals that say heal me, we're going to get thickening of the skin. And the idea is stress the skin without injuring, we get healing. So heat is one of those stimulations that um, releases those factors. If we put a little hole in the skin, a microscopic hole, and I think of like aerating a putting green, um, the little holes release those signals. So lasers that cause little holes in the skin or vibrations of the skin are going to do it. So on the mild end is Genesis, Thermage, Titan. Then you get to the far end where the CO2 puts in quite a bit of heat plus a more significant hole, uh, releasing more signals. And in between, what I call moderately aggressive would be the Pico lasers and the Fraxel lasers. Um, and there's a variety of those that are available out there. So how much downtime do you have? How much results do you want to get? Um, complication rates go into there, and that's what helps us determine what's the right one for you. So, so do you kind of start at the at the uh, Genesis Thermage level first, and kind of see how that? Again, how depending you on that? the skin. So, the thirty-five-year-old that really only has five years of collagen loss, I'm thinking more Genesis because I don't need a lot. The sixty-five-year-old who has lots of collagen loss, I'm going to my more aggressive CO2. If you put it on a spectrum, the mild tend to be cheaper, tend to have less results, tend to also have less side effects and complications mm-hmm. and less downtime, so they're easy. The Pico is is in the moderately aggressive efficiency yes. and um, and no no downtime. downtime. Yeah, I think Pico in terms of. If you're balancing the the benefits and the risks and the, the downside to it, mm-hmm. Pico has a very favorable because you get some really significant results with minimal, really no downtime, very low complication rate, um, and not a lot of pain with it. And so it is that compromise between effectiveness and just safety and ease of use. Mm-hmm. But it's not as good as a CO2 laser. Mm-hmm. And so somebody with more extreme problems or wanting better results and has the downtime, it has the, the, just the, the desire to get the real best results, mm-hmm. you can't beat the CO2 in terms of effectiveness. Yeah. I have, one, I have a last question before we, before we quit out here. 
Um, lip injections. That's been like a huge yeah. thing. Obviously, I feel like Kylie Jenner started that trend right. a few years ago, and everyone like wants these big lips. And and sometimes you notice like, well, maybe she did too much. Yes. Um, do you do you, do you like the idea of lip injections? Just like if you do like a little bit here and there, and yeah. Well, it's it's the same thing. And you're kind of talking after pregnancy, you lose the weight. Weight is is volume underneath the skin. As we get older, we're losing fat underneath the skin, and as that fat goes away. The face shrivels, so raisin versus a grape, and that mm-hmm. process actually starts in your teens somewhere, right? A 20-year-old, we say, has a baby face, and their cheeks are round. You can't see the cheekbones really distinctly. You get in your mid-30s, you hollow out a little bit in the cheek. The, mm-hmm. the cheekbones look higher. It's actually that the lower cheek is, is shrunken a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and that's all good. And as it keeps hollowing out underneath the skin, you get past the being really elegant and attractive, and it starts looking hollow and gaunt. And certainly when you lose weight, it's the weight that you had was masking things, mm-hmm. and by losing the weight, you reveal the natural weight loss of aging in time. Mm-hmm. Um, and always the contrast from before and after. You see it when you lose forty pounds quickly. You just see the effects on the face. Mm-hmm. But most women know when they gain weight, their face looks better. Yeah. Okay. Your lips is just another place where the fat pad is, and so you're going to start losing fat in your lips starting late teens and early twenties. So if you replace the fat that's lost, all you're doing is restoring things back to its natural spot. Mm-hmm. I think Kylie Jenner at 16 didn't have enough fat loss to be an issue. She says, I want a bigger lip. I want to shape. So I can use it to shape it and create something. Mm-hmm. Um, I just find, you know, especially in Rancho Bernardo, North San Diego County, it's a more conservative, I don't want to look different. Mm-hmm. I don't want to look flashy and flamboyant. I just want to look good. And so I find most my clients and, and ladies that come in just want to look kind of the way they used to look. Exactly the same, but just a little more youthful. So right. like someone doesn't know like, oh, well, she got her lips done. Right. Just is like, she yeah. And done. I would say if you can tell someone had their lips done, it's not, that's not a good They're job. They're not coming in for like the keyhole. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, that, but that's, a, but that's a trend. Some people are, some people like that. Well, that's beauty's in the eye of beholder. Yeah, and so, I mean, you know, a 20 year old, um, <laughs> there's a different, youthful more it's just a different spot in life being uh you know i'm the mother of three and grandkids and and my life is conserved and so they have a different mindset and goal that they're after there so i think you're going to always adjust that to the person sitting across the the room from me and doing what they want so your lips don't have to look overdone they don't have to look big they should look like you and so i think a good lip job looks like you my favorite compliment is when someone grabs the mirror they go I'm back, or there I am. Yes. And, and that's what I think should happen. And there's no reason you, you can do that on the lips. It's, it's just, if they're overdone, it means they put too much filler in. Yeah. So there's do nothing, and there's do too much. There's several steps between those two that are very nice, and I think tasteful, and elegant, and um, artful. And yeah. that's the place where I like to be. Yeah. But obviously the person that, they know their face, they know what they want. And it's not about changing how we look, but rather just enhancing it and making us look the same but better yeah absolutely as we age yeah and we don't think that happens with age i think sometimes your face communicates emotion so in the frown lines where you start getting the uh, the frown lines you start looking angry mm-hmm. right and that's not attractive yeah. um underneath the eyes the hollowing you start to look tired um around the corners of the mouth it starts to sag and that's a sad look and, you know, we say, oh, I want to look young, I want to look pretty, I want to look whatever. But a lot of times, if I can just make you look less angry mm-hmm. or less sad mm-hmm. or less tired, and yes, your lines are a little bit better, but that emotional response when you look in the mirror, instead of being this 
tired, old, haggard mm-hmm. person. You're an uh, energetic, rested, happy person, which is probably reflecting what's going on, on the inside. Mm-hmm. That's very satisfying, whether the liner is gone or not. Yeah. And I, I think just understanding how the face communicates emotion that mm-hmm. may or may not be there because right. of the aging process, I, I think that keeps you in a in a natural-looking, balanced, happy spot Yeah, from that. a results perspective. Cool. Um, well, is there anything else that you that you want to talk about that's maybe something cool that people need to know about? I know we touched a lot on the lasers this is, and this the is So it, this is really, like, made it easy to understand. Yeah. I like how it's, you know, it's a progression. You start with topicals. You start with exfoli- move into exfoliation, and then you move into more of the um, more invasive treatments. So it really makes a lot of more sense. It's very simple. It doesn't need to be so complicated. No. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. And it's there's so much information out there that it really can be overwhelming. But mm-hmm. if you can kind of get to the principles and the simplifying ideas, and there's only four things, and it, it can really make some nice differences. And do it in a stage way that is comfortable for a person. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to do it all. Surgery in the past is like seemed to be an all or nothing. You do it in steps, like your hair. Are you ever done? No, but we're always working on it and making it better, yeah. and that's what we're going to do there. So, um, no, this has been a fun discussion. Yeah, cool. Well, awesome. thank you so much for taking the time yes, to, thank to discuss you. all this with us. It was really fun. It's been my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Newbury Nude Podcast with your hosts, Britt and Gretchen, on Instagram at Newbury, that's N-U-B-R-Y, and on Facebook, go to fb.com slash Newbury style. If you liked today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on the Newbury Nude Podcast.